And welcome to episode 68 of the Worldwide Shelves pod. We're back again and we've got two guests on again. Uh, two guests that haven't been on in a long while. Uh, first of all, the returning Worldwide Shelves regular guest, Arrow. How are you doing? I've been well, mate. I've been just enjoying the Euros, waiting for it to just get over with. And now that it's over, let's get on with the preseason and let the season begin. Have you been? Yeah, uh, yeah, I've been, I've been good. It's uh, doing a lot of dissertation at the moment, so it's a bit tough going into the deadline. But I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Glad. Well, I'd say I'd be glad football is making me less stressful. But a day in the life of a Chelsea fan is never not stressful. Well, it's the transfer season, and being a Chelsea fan during the transfer season is always stressful. Yeah, I, I think I'm fed up with the work of the name Haaland at the moment <laughs> it isn't even 48 hours FC anymore it's like one month to go and we're still not linked with anyone um, it's, it's preparing the bid, bid FC yeah preparing a bid or releasing the funds <laughs> right now it's selling the kids FC that, that, that is that is very true um, and I'll bring on now my second guest which is a special returning guest uh, came on the pod must have been over six months ago just before Lampard was sacked um, RJ how you doing my friend pleasure to be back on the show with you fine gents um, for me personally I'm still riding the high of Chelsea's incredible Champions League victory and also from a national heritage perspective very pleased to see that by Azzurri secured the Euro Championship, so it's very rare to have a Champions League European double, so I'm still riding away, boys, but looking forward to getting Chelsea back in action because I've missed it as much as it was quite a draining season. I do miss them, and I'm very happy to see the pre-season back in effect, and the, and the crazy transfer season is upon us yet again. Yeah, I mean, RJ, you've done the double blow to me you've not only beaten my English team in the European Championships you've beaten Team GB in the Olympics as well so in the for the women so you're you're, you're making me very, you're making me even more stressed than I need to be sorry mate um yes so yeah very proud of my Australian Matildas secured a very high octane pressurized victory over the Brits and for those who aren't aware we are captained by Chelsea stalwart Sam Kerr, who played a starring role. So at least despite your, you know, your national crisis or your sadness you're experiencing, Matt, at least you've got to allow Sam Kerr to play a good game and hopefully win the gold for the Aussies. Yeah, I can get behind that. Sam Kerr is Chelsea as well as, I think she's Indian, I guess. Yeah, she has the Indian heritage. I'm not sure how. I think yeah, it's her father's um, side or something. I can't but the that. main thing is she's captaining Australia. I just wanted to highlight that again. So happy to pull <laughs> yeah. that one in. Uh, I mean, she's a ve- she's a very good player. I'm I'm glad that the women's team has just a bundle of fantastic attacking players: Frank Kirby, Sam Kerr, Peniel Harder. Now we've Absolutely. got Lauren James. We've got what a Beth signing England. that was, eh? Lauren yeah. James. I'm so glad the James family's all together again. It's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was, I did. We, me and one of the uh, people on my team did an article about her, and it was surprising to see how, how good she was. I, 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 I thought at first, I thought I've not heard of her too much. Obviously, she's been at Man United, so it's been only the past two seasons I've really uh, known about her playing. And um, I always thought she was, she was just a bit more of a gimmick signing because it was James's brother. But when I saw she was banging. She's the second highest top goal scorer from Manchester United in the two years. I was, I was like, okay, so we're actually she's actually going to come into the team and do well. I was like, nice. But credit credit to her. Absolutely. So again, Arrow. Sorry, it was a bit quiet. Yeah. Um. Not only is she James's brother, she's also uh, from the Chelsea Academy. Yeah, I remember she came from the academy. She went to Arsenal and then won a few trophies there. Then went to United. So she has she's had a pretty good career so far. And now she's gonna 
hopefully win multiple women's super leagues, hopefully win the women's champions league. Um, as long as we don't face Barcelona again and have a great career, just like our brother. How good would that be on a, from both a family perspective, but a club to see members of the same household dominate for, for the club in both their respective teams. That would be truly something special. I have to say. Yeah, I mean that the, the dad will be very proud, considering he coached, Nigel, he coached yeah. both of them. Yeah, yeah. But yes, yeah, so we'll get what we will do first. We'll get into transfer news, and I won't, I won't leave it too long to uh, talk about Harland. But we will talk about one name first of all, and that is the signing that has created the most noise this week. Um, Jules Conde, obviously, for Borussia Romano, came out just after your podcast RJ um, to say that we were close to signing Jules Kunde obviously there's been back and forth at the moment between is Emerson part of the deal is Kurt Zuma part of the deal is there going to be cash involved but RJ um, start with you what, what do you think of the signing do you think it's a good signing for Chelsea do you think he's worth the money that we're looking to buy him for yeah I was on obviously spoke with Fabrizio on our stream the other night it's a football thing which was an incredible event in itself but when i heard the official official news of that release shortly after i said to myself wow it's it's really good that the club are putting in their long-term research and investigation into practice now because i know we have been tracking him for at least a couple of seasons so the fact that they're putting their money where their mouth is so to speak I think speaks volumes in terms of the club trying to invest in players for the medium to long term, given he is a young rising talent. And that continues the theme from last season, with the exception of a couple of outliers, that we are trying to buy players that have a long term ceiling and horizon. So for me, we locked that up despite the money that's being on offer, and I spoke about this last night on Miz's channel, The Other Side of the Coin, it's a little bit bittersweet for me, guys, because on one hand, I'm okay to part with the money that was touted being 30 to 35 mil plus Zuma, but it's the plus Zuma that gives me that little bit of a bittersweet feeling because I know he's not the preferred centre-back, obviously, under Tuchel, and we have seen that he hasn't delivered his best performances, although he had a couple of good ones when he did come in on occasion. But there is a World Cup winner there. There is a very strong Premier League experienced defender. So I'm just keen to see whether or not what we're expecting of Kunde is going to be what, what transpires in reality because we've seen him play very well in Spain and in, in France as well. But as we, you know, know between ourselves, playing in one league doesn't necessarily translate over into another league, especially the physicality and intensity of the Premier League. But let me be crystal clear about this. If we lock him up and it does mean we have to part ways with Kurt, it will still be a net game from my perspective. So, yeah, we're keen to see if we can wrap this one up, guys. Yeah, Aro, what, what do you think? about uh Kunde do you have any worries about Kunde at all with his height or are you are you happy at the signing um when it comes to Kunde and his height I'm not too fast anyway because uh I think Kunde is gonna slot in in place of Espilicueta as the right center back and Tuchel doesn't demand a player with height at that position because Aspi has been playing there most of the time and he doesn't have the height he's even shorter than Kunde I think so they're exactly and, the same height. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be uh, slotted into the center most position of the center, of the three center backs. Um, I think that's going to be Andres Christensen's place when Thiago Silva comes goes out because Silva is a temporary solution anyway, and he's not going to play every game in uh, throughout the season with the Premier League and the Champions League and the FA Cup. So, yeah, I think this is a, a perfect purchase if uh, it goes through with 30 million plus Zuma touted. And as you all know, I'm not the biggest fan of Kurt Zuma because I've been saying this since the pod uh, first began because we were all discussing 
which center back should go out. And the, the first person that I said was Kurt Zuma. Even before Fikayo Samori, I always said that Kurt Zuma isn't good enough for us. He's a good defender. Don't get me wrong. He does. Uh, he's great aerially. He's a great aerial threat when it comes to attacks as well from corners, as we saw. Because he did provide quite a, quite a few goals last season in the Premier League for us. But when it comes to defending and his uh, ball career capabilities, I don't think he uh, just fits the mold for Tuchel. Because Tuchel likes players who can carry the ball and is comfortable with the ball. Even Edward Mendy you've seen. He doesn't just throw it out. He keeps the ball. He wants to play from the back. And Kurzuma uh, just looks really nervous on the ball. So I think this would be perfect for us because we would be getting quite a decent sum for Kurzuma in a part exchange deal because Kunde's uh, release clause is 68 million pounds. And of course, we're not going close to the release clause itself, but 30 million plus Zuma sounds fair for Kunde. He's younger. Can I just, just four yeah. years younger. Yeah. Hmm. Can I just say quickly on that, while I agree on on your sentiments on Kurt, the thing that gives me a little bit more comfort or a little bit less frustration about losing a vastly experienced Premier League and World Cup player in Kurt, I think there are two things. Firstly, it's it's backing the manager with what he wants because it became abundantly clear that he wasn't his first choice centre-back. So why why keep him? But also, we know Kunde, based on his trajectory, his age and what he's done to date, he is going places. So if we can snap him up now with, with a partial offset of using someone like Kurt who isn't preferred to help balance out the wages, therefore the net cost of getting Kunde would only be around that 30 to 35 million. So from Chelsea's point of view, it represents good business. It's just what what is a reasonable amount for Kurt, given that there are other parties involved? And this is where it becomes a bit sticky because I've heard recent reports that Kurt might not necessarily want to, to go and be part of that deal and want to hang around in London. And that's why West Ham offered that, in my opinion, a pretty low ball offer of around 20 million pounds. So for me, it just depends on how much we value Kurt to get him off our books. Yeah, that's what my worry is because uh, the recent reports suggest that Kurt Zuma isn't really uh, too excited about joining Sevilla and wants to stay in London because he's been in England for a long time since he came to Chelsea from St. Etienne. He's been at Stoke, he's been at Everton. So he's always been in England and I think his family settled here and we have to look at him, look at it all from a person's perspective as well as just the players because his whole family is here. His children are settled in a school and has have friends here. So yeah, they have to think about all that as well. And as for the bid from West Ham, um, 20 million is too low for Kurt Zuma. He's a Premier League proven defender. So if we can get something around 30 million pounds, I think that would be great for us and we could use that cash and to get uh kunde directly yeah i mean uh, uh, 20 million pounds is a me it's an insult um if if, 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 I, joke for Zoom, if, if, if i if i was marina if i was marina i would just close close the negotiation on that right straight away that's just insulting um yeah but we have to think from the player's perspective as well because if he doesn't yeah. want to join sevilla and he won't get to play much under Tuchel as well. So we have to kind of think about the player's point of view. And if we don't sell him on this season, we'll just have to keep paying his wages without having much use for him. Because as we saw, Tuchel doesn't prefer him much. To be fair, his wage, in terms of the wages part, he's only on £46,000 a week, which shocked me when I saw that. Um, Is it? He's only yeah. on £46,000. It's less than Tammy. Exactly. I mean, because he, we signed it, just after his injury when he went to Stoke on loan. So obviously I, yeah. I imagine he couldn't command much money back then. And that was a six-year contract. So obviously it's been going on for a long while and he hasn't renewed it since. So still been on for the low £46,000. Lower than Drinkwater, lower than Baba Rahman, no, lower than Melang Sarr. Lower than Baba Rahman, come on. But um, yeah, I, if, to be honest, in this whole saga, I don't think he'll go severe or West Ham. I still have that funny feeling that the Tottenham deal 
They're looking to get rid of Alderweireld. They're looking to get rid of David Sanchez. So I, I could see, I could see him going to Tottenham because I know that they've been linked with um, Kurt Zuma as well. So I think that could be yeah, the funny might, one that they they might, it goes yep. to. Although for Zuma, Tottenham are inquiring about Romero as well, Christian Romero. So that would be something to watch this space as well. They might think he's a bit more of a, a value buy. So yeah, it'd be interesting. But I think what the the clear thing is that Kurt looks like he's on the out for Chelsea. And look, from my perspective, again. It does leave a little bit of a pain point to get rid of someone from a depth point of view that, to me, in my opinion, again, I know he's not the first choice, but he has come in. He has filled a void. The stat came out the other day that he was only directly responsible for one error that led to a goal. I know that it's beyond, there's more to it than that, but he isn't a catastrophic player. Again, he's been a World Cup winner. We have looked a lot more of an aerial threat when he's around at set pieces, which did drop off. And I know the the game evolves around a lot more than just set pieces, but there are a lot of good things to his game. And if we aren't going to keep him, then we don't want to strengthen a rival and not get our due money for him. So it's just how good can Marina and co get us a good deal for him and, and everybody be happy in this scenario, not just one or the other. In all fairness, though, I don't think Tottenham will be willing to uh, meet Chelsea's valuation for Kurt Zuma. I doubt that they'd, they'd be willing to pay £30 million for Kurt. And as for losing a great player, yeah, I mean, everyone ahead of his pecking order is better than him right now. Because uh, where does Kurt fit in? Those uh, the three center backs out of the three center backs, the two on either side of the central centermost one, because they need to be great at carrying the ball. And Zuma's not too good at carrying the ball. And the centermost one has to be great at passing the ball about, which is not Zuma's forte as well. So I mean, he's a good player, but he doesn't fit our system anymore. He's he's a great uh, traditional four-four-two center back. But in a three-back-three system, the, especially the way Tuchel likes to set up his team, I don't think Zuma fits in really well. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'd have to agree there. I think, I mean, for the in terms of the right centre-back, left centre-back, I do think Kurt Zuma is not too bad at being one of them kind of overlapping centre-backs where he can dribble out. When we've seen him do it, he's been okay, pretty good at it. The problem with me is, again, with that, he doesn't do it enough. We have but, seen him do it once in one game against Ajax, that dribbling out from the back. No, I think he's done, he's done mm-hmm. it a, He did it a couple of times under Tuchel, but obviously they weren't highlighted like that one. Um, but he has done it a couple of times. He just doesn't obviously do it as much. And again, that's something Tuchel will look at and go, well, if I get a Kunde who is known for doing that sort of thing, you've got a Rudiger who's known for doing that sort of thing. You've got Kurt Zuma, sorry, you've got Thiago Silva and Christensen in the middle who are known for being great passers. That's where I just look at and go, unfortunately for Zuma, I think it's just a wrong man at the wrong time in the wrong uh, system. But can um, I just throw this into the mix, though? Because to me, I understand that and I'm fully on board with you know, the square peg round hole conundrum of Kurt maybe not being the best profile for this style of play and therefore why keep him around. I fully get that. But this is on the assumption that we're going to stick with the same system and don't try to revert back to a back four where in a back four system, let's not forget, he was the best of our centre-backs or one of the better ones in the back four. So if that was to happen, would we be losing one of our stronger back four centre-backs? But also, there's the contract situations of the more informed centre-backs of our team. We've lost Mark Gehi now. Rudiger is chasing a contract extension for a much larger wage, which the club might not succumb to. And also, Christensen is not tied down for a long term. So by losing Zuma, does that put more of the balance of power into the likes of a Rudiger and a Christensen? And you know what I mean? So I think... We've got to be careful as a club that once upon a time, just not long ago, actually, we had a lot of depth in that position, 
but now we don't want to be in a position where we're starting to chase defenders and actually overcommit ourselves because we're looking a little bit thin in that department. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. If we can get Kunde, though, it definitely represents a, a smart signing. And what I like about it is that it's manager agnostic. It's not if Tuchel comes and goes because Chelsea managers don't last for more than 18 to 24 months, despite however successful they are, the next manager can easily come in and work with someone like Okunde. So I'm happy that the club is buying players that have a lot more stability and potential to withstand manager-specific traits. Yeah, I mean... In terms of the formation, I do agree in the fact that obviously Kurt Zuma was in a back four. He was under Lampard especially. He was very good. Even Thiago Silva to form a very good partnership. I, I'd argue under Tuchel, it's not so much the formation, whether we play three at the back or four at the back. I mean, when you look at how Chelsea play in terms of the way they build up, generally when we go into attack, we revert to a four at the back because the right back push the wing back pushes up into a more wingers position or the left wing back depending on where we're building up so I don't think it's so much the formation because if we do go back to a back four Tuchel's still going to want us to play out from the back he's still going to want us to have these similar traits that the centre backs have now but just with one less man in the centre back position so I still think while it may suit Kurt Zuma in more of a formation sense I still think that Kurt Zuma is still going to struggle with the whole playing out the back thing because Lampard didn't really, it was, it was there a little bit, but it wasn't the main, it wasn't the main um, way of playing out. And it mainly came, you always saw it always come from Thiago Silva. So it was always a Kurt Zuma would get the ball straight across Thiago Silva or to Rhys James. He wouldn't be recycling a play like Thiago Silva did. It's not as natural for him, is it? I think that's the main difference. Like I've seen, because I've been very conscious of the criticism that Kurt isn't as good at his passing or isn't as progressive with his passing, but I have seen him on a number of occasions be able to hit a beautifully placed long diagonal pass. The one thing I would notice about Kurt is that he's a he's. it seems to be a lot less instinctive and natural for him. Like, he, it feels like it's a bit more clunky. And I don't know if you guys feel it or see it too, but in in a situation where he seems to be under pressure, he seems to struggle to get the ball away from his feet, away from his body quickly, and just move, move the pass on in a very smooth manner. Like, it seems a lot more forced from him. Like, even though he has that ability... He's not as natural as a Christensen on a ball. He's not as natural as a Silva or a Rudiger. So I think yeah. that's probably what works against him. And that's why I think Tuchel looks at him and says, you know what, he can come and fill a job every now and again. But given that we're going to dominate a lot of the play, we do tend to build up from the back, either from a Jorginho, a deep line DM, or for our centre-backs, we need people that are comfortable on the ball, moving forward, and can act instinctively. Whereas I think that's probably something not of Kurt's strength. He does seem to be more of an old-school type of defender that's really good at the defending aspect of the game, but not as balanced in terms of the offensive style of the role, which is part of the modern-day centre-back. Yeah, I mean, I always just look at and think, Sometimes when I look at Kurt Zimmer's pass, I always thought the most easiest pass would look so uncomfortable. Normally, nine times out of ten, he'd get it. He would do the pass fine. He'd go straight to his the person he wanted to. But it just looks so uncomfortable. And it was just sometimes you look and go, when does he get? You'd, you'd, you'd be waiting for him to make a mistake because it didn't look comfortable to the human eye. But um, yeah, I think it's just one of them things. I think we will. He will be a a loss of some aspect. He does provide a lot of good things to the team, but I think bringing in someone like Kunde, who, when you look at him, he is he does feel like he's going to be the heir to Azpilicueta. You've got Christensen, who looks like he'll be the heir to Rudiger, uh, to Thiago Silva, and then you've got Rudiger on that side, obviously still fairly young, will carry on for a few years. So I think we're starting to look at the future for that defence, and I think... Um, 
it looks like it'll be a positive if we do sign him. Um, it will have Chelsea will have to get the deal done, which I think it will take a matter of time. I think Chelsea won't mess this up, hopefully. Um, and we'll kind of segue on to another player who actually, funny enough, has the same agent as a uh, Jules Kunde, um, midfielder in Orlean Schumeni. Um, been mentioned around um, a few months ago and then kind of went quiet but obviously Chelsea fans loved the, the idea of the signing was an alternative to Rice um, and then recently I think it was three weeks ago apparently a, a rumour come out saying oh we were linked we were talking to his agent about Shuamani which now has come out that, that apparently that was about Kunde um, but obviously where they're sharing the agents they're also very good friends like uh, Mason Mount and Declan Rice are um, so I wonder whether that could be a reason for him coming if Kunde comes. Um, but do you think, um, obviously with Marseille as well, have rejected a £15 million bid from Kamara from Monaco. So do you think this could be another transfer, RJ, that Chelsea are doing very quietly and it's much further along than we think, considering we're the only real interested club in Schumann and Monaco are already looking for replacements? Yeah, it is quite interesting. There's been a lot of discussion within Chelsea FT around Aurelian Shuamani, and rightfully so. You know, I listen to a lot of the more credible people that I give my time and energy to in, in terms of people like Joe Tweeds, and I and I've been watching a little bit of him in the French in the French league. Uh, and he does seem like someone that's living up to the hype, and I know that. There have been some very loose and lazy comparisons made between him and the likes of Bakayoko, and we don't want another version 2.0 of that. But there is a lot to like about this young rising star, I have to say that. And it might be a situation where, again, like last season, we seem to have benefited strategically because of our financial strength to be able to land some of the signings we did. And this could be just another example of us taking advantage of the other big clubs that are still struggling from the COVID-induced impact. But my personal, and, and I asked this to Fabrizio the other night, was that obviously him and Declan Rice were two of the names that we had been heavily sort of touted with. But Fabrizio was of the view that Rice remains the top target, but again, the price apparently from West Ham being 80, 90 million is something that's very standoffish from Chelsea's perspective. And rightfully so, if, if I'm being candid about it, I don't think that we would give in to that amount because like many of the past transfer amounts that have been shared online, like with Chilwell, et cetera, it never really ends up being that price. But I would say that if, we aren't able to negotiate successfully with West Ham for Rice, that he does become our number two option. But personally, if you're asking me what would I like, it's a, it's a tough one because it, on one hand, you want to strike while the iron's hot. He's the, he is the player of the season over there. He's obviously got the, the very high ceiling. He's very versatile, and I love that about a player. I love their versatility, and I think that's something Tuchel loves also, being able to have options and have that variety. So this guy has that. He can play DM, he's played CM, he can play more advanced roles. He's been Fabregas certified, so that doesn't hurt as well. But it's also equally a big risk because he's coming from a foreign league. He's still very young. How long would he take to acclimatise in, in an environment that demands instant success? For, for personally, I would probably say I'd be leaning towards the camp of let him have another season to fully refine his game and then try to strike next season. And I'm obviously fully conscious of by leaving that open next season, you invite other big teams and clubs to try and chase his signature. But if he's as good as we expect... We're no, we're no tier two team that can't afford to go into the ring with some other big clubs and chase his signature. So for me, he should probably be the second target. But if he was to come, I think we could do some real wonders with him, especially under the guidance of Tuchel. So you're keen to hear what you guys think. 
Yeah, Ar- Arrow. What do you think of the signing? Do you think? Do you think? Would you? Would you compare him to Bakayoko? I wouldn't want to compare him to Bakayoko. I wouldn't want to compare anyone to Bakayoko, to be fair. But I feel from a Chelsea perspective that uh, Declan Rice is Declan Rice is currently the top target for Chelsea. So we're gonna try to see if West Ham budges on the stance that they have, that they want 80 million pounds and nothing else will do. So I think Chelsea will test the waters first with Rice, and if that doesn't go through, then too many is uh, a secondary plan for Chelsea. So if we cannot get Rice, we're going to focus on Chumameli because he's going to be cheaper. He's uh, around the same age as well. But he's coming from a different league. So Rice has a, has that part going from him that he is already proven in the Premier League. And he's also a starter for England. So that brings about a big asking price as well because Premier League tax is thing so we'll see as for the West Ham not budging I see that they're coming for Zuma and maybe we could do something with Zuma along with uh, a a few bundles of cash for Declan Wright I mean something like Zuma plus 30 or 40 million pounds would sound fair because that would be great for uh, them as well West Ham as well because they want Zuma and that'd be fair on us, because 30, 40 million pounds plus Zuma is a great deal for us. But I don't think that they'd want that, because they are asking for straight cash, 80 million pounds for Declan Rice. Um, when it comes to Chouameni, yeah, I doubt that he's going to be uh, a signing that we gonna, we're going to do uh, instinctively this season, out of the blue. Uh, I feel that the Chelsea scouts have been scouting the player since... Uh, the past few seasons anyway so if that comes true I wouldn't mind it but of course he would need to acclimatize to the Premier League some players need that Kante came from the French League and did not need it he just won the Premier League with Leicester but not everyone is Kante so let's hope that he's uh, at least 60% of what Kante is Hmm. and yeah, as for versatility, like RJ said, uh, Tuchel really prefers players who are versatile. And Chouameni can play uh, as a CDM as well as a center midfielder. So he's got, he's got that going for him. Yeah. I mean, what are your thoughts, for me, Matt? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough one for me. I, I really like the idea of Chouameni. I think with Declan Rice, I, I find he... He's a good player, don't get me wrong. I'm not um, critiquing him as a bad player or anything, but I think he's a good uh, player, a destroyer to win the ball and get the ball moving again and just stop stop the play dead from, cent- from the central midfield. But I worry, particularly watching from West Ham and watching from England, I worry more about how he's going to, again, looking at Tuchel's system, how he's going to progress the ball how he's going to play similar to Jorginho away. Because I don't, see, I don't see him playing that Jorginho role in terms of the passes, but then I also I don't think, see, uh, I also yeah, don't I see that, him fit in the Kante role either. Yeah, I don't think he's going to play uh, alongside Kante, but rather alongside Jorginho, because Rice would uh, provide the defensive stability that we require in front of the defence, and Jorginho can then be freed up to ping passes to the forwards and my argument as well is if you're paying what would be looking like 80 million for a player you can't really you wouldn't say you have he'd he'd be wanting to settle for third choice um midfielder which under the way Jorginho is playing at the moment the way Kante is playing at the moment obviously I know Kante will need rotation with his fitness but he will be third choice midfielder, which is why I feel when you've got you've got someone like Aurelay and Chiromeni who he can do he he's got the energy like not like Kante, but he's got energy to do that Kante role. He's got the part he's got the passing range to again do a Jorginho role to a certain point. 
And I think he's a, he's that good player that you can just rotate into either one of the positions depending on who needs the rest. Um, and I think he's, again, so versatile that he can play with anyone. That he can play with Jorginho. He can play next to Kante. I mean, he could play next to Kovacic. I'd say that'd be a bit more of a risky one, but that's more that I don't know where Kovacic fits in at the moment. I'm starting to worry a little bit about where he fits in. Um, but I just think Shumeni for half the price coming in, I think it would just sit, suit the team suit the team a bit more rather than paying 80 million for someone that could struggle again with the whole playing aspect. It's not just a playing aspect because he does eventually play a pass, but again, it's not instinctive to him, and it's he'll he's very he'll wait a few seconds and then pass the ball. And as you know, with Chelsea, especially when we're playing against a low block team. You need to be quick. You need it needs to be instinctive that that path coming really quickly, rather than slowing the play down and then not getting the attack and then struggling with the low blocks all over again. Um, so it I think Schumann could be that role. Yeah. It is interesting though because I was um, listening to Byline not long ago, and obviously this this topic sort of comes up because it's obviously a hot topic of interest for all Blues fans and. One notion that came up was, is someone like Declan naturally, technically gifted enough and suited to play in this style of system? Is he, i.e., is he, does he fit the bill in terms of trying to be progressive and complement the style of play? And a point that was brought up, and I actually tend to agree with this, is that he is someone that I think not just has multiple years of Premier League experience and he's become the star player in his team. But he's also playing in a team that doesn't really allow him to express the same level of progressiveness that he would potentially like because they aren't the same type of team. They don't play with the same progressive nature. But his underlying characteristics, he seems to be someone that is quite coachable and is someone that is quite adaptable and someone like a Mason Mount where he would be a bit of a coach's dream. So I think someone like Declan under the guidance and tutelage of Tuchel, I can only see him improving, whereas a concern or a bit of a factor, I should say, not a concern, but there's something more of a consideration with a sure many is that he might be half the price, which again, I don't think we he would be directly half, but it was just for argument's sake, he would be half. I think it would be a bit naive to think that he would just have a very straightforward transition and just what's the expectation with, with a 40, 45 million pound signing? Do you give them time to find their feet? Do they, are they expected to be a natural starter? See, for me, I think if we were to get him and providing no one else was to leave, I actually think he would be someone that would um, take a bit of time to fully acclimatise um, because you've got the Jorginho Kante pivot at the moment that's working quite well. And obviously you've got Kovacic, who's a bit of a question mark, but Tuchel does seem to really like him. So how does someone like Achuameni destabilise these these core midfield players, because even the likes of Gilmore couldn't even do that. And I actually thought he played quite well when he was here. So it just depends on what's the expectation if he was to come in. Whereas I think someone like Declan, if you're going to be paying that kind of money, there's probably a little bit more comfort that he knows the rigors and the grind of the Premier League and therefore could transition a bit more seamlessly. But no, it'd be interesting. Look, if someone told me by the end of the window you're going to have one or the other, I would say tick. Thank you very much and move forward happily. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I understand with the whole transition period. I think he will he will take a little bit of time to get within the full flow of the Premier League. I think Tuchel will play that quite well. I think he will. He is the one that manages that you've seen. He will give a player a little bit of time and slowly feed and then feed him in, which I think will probably happen with not just Shuameni, but probably with Kunde as well. He'll probably start the season with Azpilicueta at right centre-back or Reese James um, and then slowly feed him in as and bring him in slowly to help him transition. Um, but I think with Shuameni, what I like is I think he, he'll settle for now being a second, a third 
fourth choice behind a Kante, behind a Jorginho. What I like is that he can plug any one of them, any one of the positions where I feel a Declan Rice kind of has to play next to a Jorginho. Um, obviously, I understand that he could be good with his passing, but at the moment, I wouldn't be so comfortable with a Kante Rice partnership unless it's against a big team where we need to be a bit more defensive. Um, so I feel that the way Shumani can plug any one of them holes really suits really suits well for me. Um, that again, he can be that kind of player, and he'll get the game time more than someone like a Billy Gilmore, who again he was a quite obvious person that would fit under the Jorginho role, but Jorginho was the main man of the circle, so Tuchel didn't want to drop Jorginho unless he had mm. to, um, which may change as Billy gets a bit better. Hopefully this Norwich spell will do him a lot of good, which I think it will, and he'll come back and then he'll be that man that can hopefully step up and play a lot more. Um, but one more thing in terms of the expectation, I think the thing that separates, especially with the whole Bakayoko debate, um one of my mates uh, back at university is a Monaco fan, watches him all the time before he comes to uni. And when we were going to sign Bakayoko, he was not, he, he was happy with Bakayoko leaving, which was always a bit of a um, red flag for me that you, you, you're happy with a player going for that much. Obviously, the money, he was like, he's good money. I was like, fair enough, it might just be we've paid a bit more for him. But he was happy to see him go, whereas for sure many, he is desperate for sure many to stay because he says he is levels above what they've had for a long period of time. So I think the way Monaco fans in general are, um, and I've seen it on Twitter as well, a few Monaco fans, they are really loving the idea of sure many and how, how good they know they value how good he is. That just bodes me in a good aspect that this player he he is he's not going to be a Bakayoko just because he's French mm. just because he's from the same club just because he plays in the same position doesn't mean he's going to be the exact same um I think he if he comes in it may take one or two months but I mean we just have to give him that time not get on his back and I think he'll become a really good player for us in the future I mean putting aside uh comparisons with Bakayoko Chumani uh I think is a player who um wouldn't really fit in too well defensively when it comes to playing alongside uh, someone like Jorginho. Because would you really be comfortable playing Chouameni and Jorginho together with no one really covering them? Because we've got Kunde and players who are good at the ball at the back. I mean, we don't have uh, players with height at the back. We need someone who is pretty good defensively. Because I think that Tuchel really wants Rice because uh, we're looking for someone who can replace Kante because he's the oldest out of the bunch from all the midfielders that we have. And we're going to need to replace him soon. So getting now instead of when he becomes a big superstar later and we're going to have to pay something like 100 million pounds for him. Of course, I don't get me wrong. I wouldn't want to pay 80 million pounds for Rice right now. But having Rice alongside Jorginho while playing because Kante can't play the whole season like we saw. He's been injury-prone the last two seasons. So we will need someone who is defensive-minded minded alongside Jorginho or, say, Kovacic. Because those two, um, when it comes to Kovacic, he does make really good tackles. But his positioning when it comes to defensive positions is not that great. And Jorginho, as we all know, lacks the pace for the defensive half of the game. So he needs someone alongside him who is defensive sound. So I think Declan Rice uh, would be a better gamble than playing Chouameni because Chouameni has been facing attacks uh, from Lee Gern. And don't get me wrong, because Lee Gern is levels below the Premier League. Uh, they have PSG, of course. They have great players there who attack, but apart from PSG, uh, who do we have? We have Marseille. We have uh, Lille. Leal isn't playing pretty well, but would you say that he'd be able to stop someone like um, Rashford and Bruno Fernandes? I mean, players of the Premier League who will come, uh, who would look at look exploiting the space that is left by the defensive midfielder. Well, I'd, I'd argue you don't have to worry about Bruno when it comes to penalties. 
but yeah, of course. Um, I, I do I do kind of disagree with that in a way because I think we, when you look at it, Monaco he played next to Cesc Fabregas and as we all know Cesc Fabregas as good of a player he is he is someone that needs someone next to him to cover around for him so he does play but especially Cesc, under Cesc Monaco. Didn't play all the games he and like I said, Ligern, in Ligern, you don't need someone like uh, a proper defensive number two. I mean, a pair of number sixes together to defend. In the Premier League, yeah, but I'd, I'd argue, I'd argue this season on, on, in Monaco, he has played more of that defensive last man back and allowing whatever midfielder next to him to roam and do the more the passing thing. But even then, when he's defensive from deep he is he is putting them passes long diagonal passes um straight to the feet to the winger so i do think he can do that i think he's positioning again he's he's one of them players that even when he he's he the occasional time he does get caught out of position his tackling is very good and he can make up for it but he's there's many a times where you've just kind of like you know kante does it where he sees it a second or two before and you see him just intercept the ball um he does that quite a lot. Obviously, again, I understand the whole idea that the French League is lower than the Premier League, but you could say that about every player, Then that, that argument in terms of any player that we don't get from England. And we know even players that make the move from an English club to another English club, they don't always transition. So you, you'd argue, yes, Rice is in the same league and he's had that experience, but he's never played at a big club. So he could easily come to Chelsea and not make that transition in terms of playing for a big club like Chelsea. So I think there's always mm. some sort of risk. And I think the French League has mm. improved in recent years. Like you look at the players that are coming out and coming to the Premier League, look at Fofana, who came in and he's suited really well. Um, I actually think compared to other leagues, the French League is actually starting to get a lot better than it was. I understand... A couple of years ago, it was probably fourth or fifth best li- uh, league in Europe. But I think it is becoming behind the German. It's probably on par with the Italian league again. Which no, um, I wouldn't say that. It's par with the Italian league. I think the Italian league is still above, way above the league earned from France. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I watch a lot of league um, football, so I mean, I, I, I disagree really, a little bit. I'd be but... more comfortable like buying from an Italian club than from a French club. Yeah, I mean, that's, that that we'll politely disagree with that, but I mean, I, it I just depends think... on the on the club, I think, too, isn't it? Because I, I agree, the Serie A has been on the rise again, putting my bias to the side, but also the French league has improved too. I think for both players like with anyone really there's always going to be an element of risk it's just which one which one gives you the greatest chance of the net marginal benefit at the end of the day and look on the pro side with rice we know he's primarily experienced he has dropped in good performances against us before so we kind of know what he's about with true many he's a rising star he's been certified there are he has got the age factor slightly, even though Declan's only one year older. But I do wonder if, if Tuchel I think appreciates so, Declan's Chumani versatility 25? as well. Chumani's 21. Mm. Yeah. yeah, but I think with Rice being obviously just 22, there's also that added element where, in a worst-case scenario, he could play in a CB position. So it does give you that extra element of insurance. And I wonder if that's something Tuchel likes about Declan there. And I think with someone like him, it's hard to envisage which midfield pairing or setup he would he would most likely complement. But the one thing that probably doesn't get spoken about enough with Declan's game, in my opinion, is that he's more of an enabler-type player that does a lot of the quieter work, but isn't as someone that's as flashy or flary that you might expect to see trying to be a bit more progressive. So look, again, as I said a few moments ago, if we were to get one or the, one or the other, it would represent very good business for the club. It's just, do you take someone like Declan who seems to have at this stage of his career he's a little bit more not of a of a safer option but he's safer in the context of the premier league 
is known to him. He's an England star and he has played against Chelsea and and players like within the academy as well as Tuchel, they've seen a lot more of him in action. Whereas Chouameni, despite the very high plaudits given to him, is it another smokescreen that it just could be someone that's very good in a league that is a couple of levels below? And I, and I say that respectfully, but either way, I'd be happy with either. So let's let's see what happens. Yeah, indeed. Let's see. I mean, it, it's one of them things that everyone can go around in circles debating about it, but I think we'll just have to wait and see till they put the shirt on and see what happens. I mean, there could be an aspect, someone argued to me, do we get shoot many this summer? And then we know that Kante and Jorginho, within one to two years, they could easily either Kante starts to struggle a bit more of his fitness and can't cement a first-team role, or Jorginho decides he wants to make his move back to Italy. We could see both of them players go, so there could be an opportunity of Rice comes in the next year or two anyway, and we ha- we see both Shuamani and the Rice in the same lineup. Um, so that's something that we could see in the future, but we'll have to, again, wait and see what Chelsea this, decide on that. What- we might get the um, surprise packet of the rena- renaissance of Bakayoko and drink water. We just don't know. So oh, that would be oh, something. Don't, 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 I can be don't, sure don't. of that. We, we're not going to see a resurgence of drink water and Bakayoko <laughs> in a blue shirt. No, that's what, not what, made, what made me laugh the other day was when you had Barkley and drink water in a pivot. That was brilliant. Uh, it, it seemed to work a little bit. And I was like, how is this working? Like, I know it's Peterborough, but still... But, um, playing for Chelsea just right now, I'd be glad getting either of Chomeni or Rice. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're both good players, so it, it's it's nice that we're debating who's who, which one's better, rather than why are we not linked to any good players. Um, which will again segue into talking about good, very good players. We'll talk about the main man himself. We've waited 51 minutes before we talked about him. So, um, Erling Haaland, obviously, this debate, this transfer saga seems to be going on for a long period of time. A lot of different journalists saying different things, very contradictory German sources saying different things, English sources kind of not even giving it much attention. Um, RJ, where do you think we are with this deal? And Obviously, I know you'll probably love to sign Erling Haaland, but do you think we will sign him? Like you, Matt, and many others I've spoken with, I'm starting to get a little bit fatigued about it, to be honest. I just wish the club came out and made a statement saying, we've tried, we failed, we move on, or we've broken the bank, we've signed him, and then we can just focus on other things, to be honest with you. But Haaland mania is... um, is, is in full swing. And for me, if I was pressed on the spot, do we get him? I actually think, yes, we will. Um, there's been a lot of traction on this, and it's not just the last month. It's many months that we've been pushing for this. And the more we keep moving players out, which obviously helps with the, the wage side of things, to me that suggests that there's a lot of restructuring going on to allow the possibility and probability of this transfer to occur so there's always obviously the possibility that it falls through and Dortmund dig in their heels but I've tried to put my business hat on here from Dortmund's perspective and unless they are very frightened of the prospect of missing out Champions League football next season obviously given they've lost Sancho it sounds like a pretty a pretty disappointing thing from their financial standpoint to just forego 65, 70 plus million guaranteed given the release clause next season. So I'm not sure how much exactly we will pay, but I think we're heavily invested into this now. And I and I do genuinely feel that if we are to land someone of his quality, he's someone that's going to materially improve our chances of not just Premier League success, but multi-trophy success and for at least a few seasons. And the thing is, not just it's not just he's a rising star. It's the fact that he's got someone like Tuchel on board. He's got the players around him 
to help even improve more. So if he continues on this trajectory, he's going to be one of, if not already, the very best players since the next age of Messi-Ronaldo. And by the time he hits his peak age, even if he feels he's achieved all he has with the club, as he might not see us as the final destination, we have a very strong chance in recouping our investment. So I think, yeah, I think the club will push very heavy for this and I wouldn't be surprised if we do land him. Yeah, an hour, obviously, I haven't really spoken to you on this too much. Um, do, you, do you think, are you a bit tired with all this transfer news? Do you think there is any, say we don't sign Haaland, do you think there's any viable alternatives that you would see is on Haaland's level? Uh, when it comes to viable alternatives, the name that's been going around the most is Lukaku. And as we, most of us know, I am not a big fan of Lukaku. I mean, he's a decent player. He has been doing pretty well in Syria, but he's he has already played in the Premier League and we've seen his numbers in the league. We've seen how he does against big teams and what his allegiance is with Chelsea. So... Yeah, I wouldn't really want to sign Lukaku, but rather just go all out on Haaland, because Lukaku is going to cost around 110, 20 million pounds anyway. So instead of going for Lukaku, who is a lot older, and we've seen him in the Premier League as well, and his record against big teams and in big games, I'd rather just go all out for Haaland. I'd just pay the extra amount, whatever it is, for Haaland, because... Let's be honest, getting 175 million euros or 150 million pounds for Haaland from Chelsea, uh, that would be insane for BVB to turn down. Because Dortmund really need the cash right now. I mean, they don't really need it, but they have been hit like everyone else by the COVID pandemic situation. Um, They rely a lot on ticket sales as well, because they have a huge stadium and Soon, Holland's going to demand a big wage from them. And if they don't accept the £150 million this season, they're going to lose out on half that amount because his release clause next season is going to be £75 million. And that's a big, big miss. So it would be really crazy if uh, Dortmund really do miss out on... I mean, if Dortmund rejects £150 million from Chelsea this season. So, I'm still a bit confident that if we make the bid, we're going to get it done. Because I don't think uh, Haaland's personal terms is going to be much of a concern. Of course, his wages is, wages are going to be pretty high. But in terms of him wanting to join Chelsea, I think he'd be a perfect fit for Chelsea. I mean, for Tuchel as well as the whole system that we play the whole environment that we have of young players growing up together, everyone developing together under Tuchel with the same philosophy. And Tuchel's system really complements Haaland as well. So I think uh, Haaland would be the first choice for anyone. But apart from Haaland, I wouldn't want to go for Lukaku. I would go for Lewandowski. But he's a short-term solution as well. And if we don't go for Holland this season, he's going to be snapped up next season by someone else. And who else could we get? Kane? Yeah, I doubt that Levy is going to sell Kane to us. He didn't even sell Modric to us, let alone Kane. So if it's not Holland, let's see where it goes. Because we might be stuck with Broha and Werner as our strikers. And Werner is not even a proper centre-forward. Yeah, I mean, I'd argue if 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 we were stuck with someone from the first two, I think you'd probably try and persist with Kai Havertz, false nine, and then probably use Broho as the plan B target man, which I think will probably be his role in the season anyway. I think he'll stay at the club. Yeah, and I think be he'll that come in place of Tammy. Definitely, definitely. I think he, the way he's played this pre-season, he deserves it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with you both. I mean, I... Still fairly confident that we'll sign him. Um, I think Chelsea wouldn't spend this many months going after him and seem to have no viable alternative. Because even though there has been Lukaku rumours, 
they've been shut down as quickly as they've been made. Um, so I think the way that there is seems to be one man and no one else being mentioned, I just don't see Chelsea losing out now. I feel like they will pay the money. I think it's more, obviously, it, it's a massive contract. These contracts take absolutely ages to iron out in terms of the transfer fee, clauses, major age, agent fees, personal terms, etc. So I understand why it takes a long while um, and why it's taken. It might be a fact that Dortmund are still trying to find alternatives. And on um, top of before... that, it's not just any agent fees. It's mineral agent fees. So that's going to need a lot of ironing out as well. Yeah, exactly. I think it will take time. Obviously, we did have the information from Yang or Ake Fyotov that there is going to be seven to nine days' time um, that we, is the deadline for Dortmund. Um, so hopefully, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you both just a quick fire yes or no. Um, will we sign him in night? Will we sign him by the deadline? Arrow, I'll start with you. Go on. Will will Chelsea sign Erling Haaland in nine days' time? Will he be in a blue in shirt? Nine days' time. Uh, I'd say not nine, maybe in two weeks' time. I hope so, yes. I'm going to be optimistic this time, yes. Lo- love that, love that. RJ, do you think he'll sign by the Dortmund deadline or do you think we'll miss out? No, I think we'll get him. I'm confident. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, and that is going to wrap up the end of another wonderful pod. Um, it's been great to have RJ back on the show. And it's great to have Arrow on as well uh, after a fairly long period of time. Um, RJ, before we go, I, I just want you to let the let the viewers know where they can find you on social media, where they can find your podcast. Go and plug away. Mm-hmm. Thanks very much. And just wanted to say again, it's been an absolute pleasure for me to be invited back on and have a great discussion and a lot of different thoughts. And that's why I love being invited to these forums. So keep up the great work, guys. For those out there who are willing to listen to me, I have a couple of things going on at the moment. So firstly, I co-run a YouTube channel slash podcast called It's a Football Thing. So on YouTube, search the IFT pod, three words. And also on Twitter personally, you can find me at capital RJ underscore good things. And on Instagram, you can find me under Frank Lampard fans eight. So you can have a guess about what's involved on that particular page. But overall, yeah, keeping myself very busy in the football content creation world and been really loving it. So again, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the last episode was fantastic. They had Fabrizio Romano, Mr. Here We Go On, uh, and he, he he put out some good news, some optimistic news. So um, if, if anyone is going to just watch one episode, make sure you go check that out. But the It's a Football Thing pod, it's great. You have uh, RJ representing Chelsea. You have uh, Scott and Rob, who are RJ's friends. They, they support Man United and Arsenal. So it's always a nice debate on just a general footballing aspect rather than just a Chelsea aspect, just an Arsenal aspect or United one. Um, Can I just say, Matt, quickly as well, um, I also am privileged to be part of a Chelsea-specific pod, the Balanced Blues Brothers podcast, that much like what we've had today, we do like to dissect the players, the games and tactics and have hopefully some sensible and balanced discussion. So feel free to check us out as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I always an avid viewer of uh listener of the Bounce Blues podcast as well. It's a very good podcast. Um a lot of different opinions, which is nice to see and they fit really well. Um so yeah, make sure you go check out all of RJ's stuff. Great person to have on Twitter, one of the most positive guys on there and he's a credit to football Twitter. Um thank you RJ for coming on. Thank you. And Arrow, just before we go, uh thank you for coming on and do you want to plug where people can find you on twitter well uh people who have followed worldwide chills podcast know me as well so you can find me on twitter at ro hazard which is a-r-o followed by hazard no 
colons or underscores or anything specific. So it's just at Arrowhazard. And make sure to follow the Worldwide Shell Spot Articles page as well, where we put out all the podcasts as well as the articles. I know the articles have been thin lately because uh, it's preseason and it was no season at all. It was just Euros and we're not really interested in national team talk anyway. So things are going to be better on the articles standpoint. So make sure you follow that page and look out for latest uh, news and articles there as well. And I'm glad to be on as always. And thank you to RJ for coming on on our podcast once again. I remember the last time we were on here as well. And it was a brilliant discussion as well as the one today as well. Yeah, so uh, yeah, it was brilliant. Um, and obviously, yeah, I imagine Arrow will be coming back for his great article previews, um, hopefully for the Super Cup. Um, and we'll get back and running up for the articles. Uh, we've got a couple coming out in the next few days, so stay tuned. Um, make sure you give us a like on Apple Podcasts and a review. Um, we're trying to get as many reviews and trying to make as many changes in the pods as possible, so if you can make a review. Uh, and just stay tuned. Uh, we'll be doing some more episodes in the next few weeks, getting some more special guests on as we lead up to the new season. So everyone stay tuned and up the shelves. <laughs>